can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code, aka CMAC. CMAC is a member-driven organization that keeps the Model Aquatic Health Code sustainable, current, and complete. Your expertise is needed. Learn more at CMAC.org. That's C-M-A-H-C.org. Okay, now so it's recording. Yay, recording. So, oh, I, I meant to ask you, how did the boys do with your camping trip, by the way? So we, I just brought Max. Oh, ex ex husband said that Michael was sick, with and had a fever. So I, I had my mom come up. She was already going to watch the dogs. Like, can you watch Michael? Michael got home. He had a little bit of a runny nose, but he probably would have been fine. Now that I look at him, I kind of feel guilty about that. Yeah. But the river, the camping site was right on the river. And the week prior, there was a TikTok at that same location of a bear that got into the river and almost drowned. So that you shared the video that was at the same place. Holy crap. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, Full size bear. Wasn't, you know, a cub or anything. It was a full size brown bear. And yeah, it almost drowned in there it went underwater a few times and luckily got right was able to get out yeah that was that was insane that and bears are very strong swimmers right and they're also not dumb like <gasps> you know what kind of crack was that bear on thinking it could swim across that dam river? maybe he was hungry it was yeah you know there's definitely a picnic basket on the other side <laughs> but i yeah, I think it was best that Michael didn't go. We, Me and Max had fun. I don't really get to spend one-on-one time with Max very much. So that was nice. He he didn't want to leave. He wanted, and then he's like, I'm like, oh, we might be going camping again. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go. I'm like, different people, different place. So he had a lot of fun. The other boys had mini bikes. You know, the mini dirt bikes. And so he's like, I want one. I'm like, well, he's like, can I go on it? I'm like, no, because you don't know how to ride it. You know, we need somebody to teach you how. So he played with the two boys a lot. I drank all day. Don't know how I wasn't drunk. So I drank a lot. Uh, Played games with the other adults. You know, it was a lot of fun. We had like mimosas for breakfast. So we did a group breakfast with everybody. There was like 30. There was... 30 people who joined in on the eating, but there was 50 of us there. So the first day we get there, they uh, I was next to these really nice people that were my friend Annie's uncle and aunt, and they helped me set up my tent and definitely overbought, but that's okay. How was the weather? Was it warm, cold? 
it was actually it wasn't that bad like it had its warm parts and then it'd be windy and then and and overall it was good i think it was a perfect temperature it wasn't too cold wasn't too hot um i love the place that we were at we took up half of the the campground we had 29 spots the mainly the boys they went out four wheeling and everything some of the wives went out with them so they take the side by sides and the um dirt bikes and everything it, it, it was a lot of fun and there was a band at night that would play you know uh oboe and on a um oh what is it called washboard and spoons and a guitar and the, and the lyrics were hilarious <laughs> it was great and i brought games and stuff for the kids and art projects and glow sticks my friend brought his dog fits which max you know knows fits super well so sometimes Fitz would go walk with us and he's like calling him like, it's fine. We have him. Don't worry. Because he he loves Max and he got super dirty. So I took a picture of that. It was because every time I go to any nature thing, like last year we went to a lake and Fitz got dirty like that. And this time, so I took another picture. It's like a thing I do. Now, am I a camp, a camping person now? Um, I don't prefer it, but I, after talking with people, I think it's because of me sleeping in a tent yeah everyone's like if you're in an rv or a camper it's different sure so will i go again definitely hotel like yeah i'll definitely go again this group was mostly pool people is that what you said it was mostly pool people um but there were also people that weren't pool people and honestly we didn't talk about pools at all well and that's that's great just getting together with people that, um, and especially at the time of year, because everybody has just gotten through the month of May or, you know, basically, right. That was Memorial weekend. You were down there or up there. So um, we were there the weekend after Memorial day weekend. Weekend after wasn't that Mm -hmm. this last weekend. No, that's two weekends ago. Memorial. See, everything bleeds together this time of year for me. Well, like we told you guys, we will be pre-recording May next year. We will not yeah, be right. recording in May. We're going to record May in like September of this year and just put it in the can and leave it, you know, to ferment. And then we'll pop it out in May so that we don't have to record during May. We'll, we'll, we'll only record if there's like, like breaking news kind yeah. of stuff. Then we'll do a quick little thing, right? But, but I think people have to realize like, you know, we, me and you, we, you may be in an office, but you have so many employees that you have to manage and customers and situations that go on. And so it's not like you're just sitting in an office, staring at your computer and doing nothing. And then you have me, I'm out in the field every day for a minimum six hours, five days a week, if not more when I don't have the kids. So, you know, the week of the month of May is fucking hell. Right. You know, Andrea, Andrea, was it last Friday? She she sent a message to our group that she had like, was it 22 or 23 pools to do or right? something that day? And five of them or something weren't hers. So the condition mm-hmm. was crap because she's not the one that's been maintaining them. And I'm like, holy shit, going into the weekend on a Friday, I, I just, I can't. But with that. The thing that made me was for Memorial Day. I had 18 stops I had to go to. I'm like, I can't get to all of these. Right. Yeah. It it amazed me though when Andrea said, and this is the difference between Florida and and the Midwest. Andrea said that her mileage that day, I think it was something like 1.9 miles. 1.9. 1.9. 
that she drove to do these 20 whatever pools or something like that. She's like, oh yeah, it's all in one, one neighborhood. She, you know, basically pulls in and parks oh, and walks her nice. and door to door and up down the street, you know. I remember having 15 stops to do it a day and it was like a 20 mile trip. Yeah. Well, and I, I shared some of what we do and it's, it's typical that our technicians are traveling anywhere from 80 to 120 miles a day. And, you know, there's no way that, that in the Midwest you could ever hope to get, you know, 20 soft pools. That's, that's insane. But like I said, different, different environment. And, uh, that's, that's part of the part about being part of the talking pools group is sharing all the variances from not only from Florida to the Midwest to California, but also to, you know, New Zealand and Australia and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's just cool to hear all the differences and, and how things go. Now, so, some breaking news that we're going to educate you a little bit on. A little bit. And this ties oh, into your camping wait, wait, trip, wait. right? Wait, wait, wait. Uh-oh. Welcome to Talking Pools with Kelly and Dan. Oh, that's right. And, and thanks, for, thanks for tuning in. Jeez. We're terrible at that. We need to just do that once and then tell Rudy and Andrea to just plug it in at the beginning every time so we don't. Haven't we forget. talked about that? We've talked about that. It just hasn't happened. But the breaking news <laughs> is Canada has a wildfire. Yeah, Canada's burning. For and, once, um, we didn't have a really, okay, in California, we usually have fire season. We didn't really have one because of all the fucking rain. And that's awesome. And California has been needing that badly. For a long, long time. But you know that's not. But people, you need to understand. Just because we had all this rain and now we have all the snow melt, and we even have a lake that's recreating that's been gone for decades, does not mean we will be out of a drought because they don't know how to con- to contain all of this rain and store it. So we're still in a drought, but it's definitely feast or famine out there. Yeah, when when it's a year like this, you're fine. But then next year, when it goes back to what I'm going to say is normal. Then you're screwed again. Yeah. Deal with the mudslides this year. Next year, you'll be back in the fires. So it's all fine. You'd figure it out. California is a resilient that way. But so since Canada is having this wildfire, I, from what I'm reading is the smoke is being brought down into the New England area. Yeah. Up in uh, like Buffalo, New York, uh, you know, cross over to Maine. New York City, New York City, yeah, yeah, New York City's got bad. So we probably are the better ones to talk about this. Yeah, (laughs) what LA used to look like, I should say. (laughs) So we are probably the ones with a little more experience with this. We'll just touch on it because we have talked about it before. So, what are some things that people need to know about? having smoke or if they start getting ash and stuff like that well you know smoke it's always like stop drop and roll or something right no that's fire never mind well smoke what does smoke got it, it smoke contains carbon it contains nitrogen and it contains phosphorus so as that smoke is drifting into areas with swimming pools inevitably there's an exchange through the surface of the water of of that into the water itself, which none of it is good for a swimming pool. We certainly have the ability of, of pH rise to occur. 
I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I guess anytime there's smoke, there's some cash level carried with it. But I, I don't know. How do we uh, qualify that? You know. So, for my experience, when we had just the smoke, it's the smoke. It's coming into Chicago, and it's <laughs> my my video and audio. So, so, so the, the ash. Way. Do you get okay. ash if it's just smoke? Not necessarily. We first got, we would first get the smoke. We, and then uh, a week later, because the fires are still going and just destroying everything, then we'd start getting ash. And it was so bad. It was like it was snowing. You would walk out to your car, it's just covered in ash. Yeah. But what people need to understand is ash is going to be everything it's burning. So for me, you have small towns that are being burnt up. So not only are you having the trees and the organics creating, you know, phosphates that are being dropped into your pool, but there's going to be metals in that. There's going to be all, you know, all kinds of things. Anything, just think of this, anything that burns to to the ground is in that, in that ash. Yeah. I will say from my experience that, yes, you are going to put phosphate remover into those pools. Sure. That's the only way you have any, any way of like surviving on top of it okay here a lot of people just go by i'll clean the filter every six months guess what when you have fire season or the new england area you're definitely going to have another one or two filter cleanings you're going to have to go off of pressure not time and if you do not make clean those filters it you're fucked it's just that's just the way it is yeah if the water's not going to circulate and be filtered it's it's never going to, it's never going to turn around. Also, around. what I ended up doing when I had my route during fire season is I increased filtration times. Well, okay. So anytime a pool is not perfect, it should be running 24 seven at the maximum flow that the system can handle. If you're dealing with variable speed pumps, you know, you need to know what that means, right? Sand filters, 24 inch sand filters, you're going to run them at 60 gallons a minute. Um, cartridge filters, you're going to run them at up to two gallons per square foot, right? Two gallons. Am I doing that right? I mean, most of them are at 0.375, but I think they can handle up to two if you really had to. Most cartridges in our market are way bigger than a pump could ever do to to run at the flow rate that high. But, you know, you're going to crank everything up and run it 24-7. Otherwise, you're just going to cause the cleanup to take that much, that much longer. Using phosphate removers, um, it, it, that's going to certainly throw some more filter cleanings into the mix, right? As as the phosphates are being removed, the filters are end up wrapping that, and you got to get that cleaned out so they can continue doing what they're doing. Um, using enzymes, a lot of what that smoke is bringing with will enzymes are going to help to break down and and get rid of those contaminations. Super chlorinating. Um, is great to deal with the combining of of chlorine with things like nitrogen. Um, if there happens to be, I don't know, would there be ammonia in anything with smoking? I don't think so. I think also another one would be a sequestering agent. Yeah, if you do have some sort of airborne metal particulate, that's definitely going to be a help. Um, so you know, you and you got to get on it right away, and you got to. Got to 
stay on it. You know, if, if you slack off and you're not paying attention to filter pressure and a filter gets clogged up, well, then it's going to take that much longer to get it turned around. And during the smoke, so this smoke is going on now and it has been for a little bit now, um, you know, to, to, if you're going to wait until it's done and then go after it, well, then you're going to pay the service there too. It's going to take forever to get it to turn around. You know, you got to deal with it while it's occurring. Right. You can't just be like, oh, we'll wait till there's a problem. No, there will be a problem. It's guaranteed 100%. You will have a problem in X amount of days. You know, it may be good uh, when you show up on Wednesday, but when you show up Wednesday the next week, most likely you're going to have some algae growing in there. And then you're just going to be chasing yourself the whole entire time. Uh, and it's going to get expensive. And it's not necessarily, in my opinion, I if the first year was the learning year. The second year was the year like, nope, I already know what I need to do. I need to start doing it because if I don't do it now, I don't feel like I can charge the customer extra money because I wasn't doing my job. The first year, yeah. yeah. And and with that, I'm going to throw some stuff out there. I think maybe I talked about this briefly in other episodes, but, you know, one of the things that helps if you're, you know, you're leading into an event like this and then also throughout it is the use of other products. So we talked about phosphate remover and enzymes, but what about proxy monosulfate? You know, if, if you get proxy monosulfate in the water so that you're dealing with the organic, the contaminations before they have an opportunity to combine, then it's going to do two things. One, it's going to allow your chlorine in the water to do its job instead of it just combining and not doing anything. And it's going to stay ahead of the curve. So if you're adding that routinely, when you get into scenarios like this, your pool is going to come out of it faster and better than your neighbor's pool who is more of a reactionary person or, or whoever's taking care of it is more reactionary. And this is a, these kind of things are, and the use of algicides as well. You talked about how the pool is going to come out of it with algae. Well, if the pool is being treated weekly with algicide, weekly with proxy monosulfate, you have a decent chlorine reading, your pH and alkalinity are in line, you get a good calcium level. If you're doing all the things you're supposed to do, you're going to have a hell of a lot easier time dealing with when bad things happen. Yeah. And bad thing happen doesn't have to be a fire in Canada that's blowing smoke across your, your yard and contaminating your pool. It could be a, a dead animal that you find in it one morning. My daughter pulled a dead baby possum out of our pool last Sunday. Um, it's probably in, in the all the years I've had the pool, I've probably had a dozen possums I've pulled out of the pool. It, when that happens, if you are doing everything at a high level, it's no big deal. Get it out. Your chlorine's good. Just move on with life. Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages. Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. Okay, I kept saying the first year. Okay, the first year is your 
okay, I didn't know. And that, I think, is for everybody. You know, we learn, unfortunately, we're the type of species that we learn from our mistakes. But I also grew up the old school way, or as really likes to say that I am the expert in the ancient methods of the past. Ancient Chinese secret. You know, I was brought up in a family that chlorine solves everything. Phosphates aren't a problem. It's nitrates. And, you know, with the chlorine shortage and the fires, I learned... I learned more about phosphates. Like I actually did research on it because, you know, you have to know what's in your water. And where I live, we have a lot of farmland around. So fill water, you're you're going to have phosphates in it. In my area, I don't believe personally in zero phosphates. I believe that anything over 500 is a problem because our fill water has phosphates. It's just what it has. But after a, having that chlorine shortage and then having fire season that first year, I started putting phosphate remover in every week. Not a whole lot. I do like a good squirt and do and be on top of my filter cleanings. I also put an enzyme in there, give it a good squirt, put a PRX, put my borates in, and the combination of it all, I didn't have to worry. Flashback. Christy Reister, CMAHC Executive Director and Dewey Case. Technical director of the CMAHC is now in session. I read recently that CMAC has combined with another national event, so it's all going to be one big week come November this year. February of next February. year. February of next yes. year. So it's been great. We um, we have had a really amazing partnership with um, the Association of Aquatics Professionals. Uh, this last uh, this last year, or well, in February, just last month, um, we hosted our second Mac Track. So we had a lot of really great sessions that we were able to offer. Um, at the AOAP conference. Dewey did a pre-conference CPO course. Um, he was also part of um, the first ever director's uh, school um, that that they hosted at AOAP. And um, we also, uh, this year, it, we hosted our first environmental health uh, leaders forum at, at the conference. So um, yeah, so we, we it has it was an incredible week there were a lot of amazing um you know industry uh folks um academia folks um just other like we had um dr beach attended the conference he is retired from cdc dr dijak who's the executive director of um the, of NEHA, um, you know, we had a, a, a several of our board members um, come and participate. It was just a really um, great conference with, you know, people from, you know, public health, industry. Um, it, it was just incredible. So um, it, we really are um, encouraging, you know, professionals from, from all angles uh, to get involved and participate and make it easy for people to, to attend. Does this event move around? Is it different it locations all the time? It does. So um, this, it, we just uh, came from uh, Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. and in and, and then uh, next year it's going to be in Reno, Nevada. Oh, that's oh, close cool. to me. Well, yeah, that. that's yeah. like two hours away. Right now, Kelly, where in California are you? Sacramento. 
Okay. I grew up in the East Bay, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so two hours away, so we can commute from your house? Is yeah. Is what you're saying? So yeah. Just everyone stay at Kelly's. She's got plenty of room. Um, fly, fly into where I am and we can carpool. Yeah, and, and we'll carpool over every day. Well, hopefully it's not snowing because it's February because we'll have to oh, go over yeah. the pass. But right. they Making do have an airport in Reno. <laughs> they do. They do. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I just want to say one thing real quick. And, you know, for those listening on the podcast, right, we've got a lot of service folks. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of folks out there that, you know, they're balancing pools off the back of their truck and dosing. And, you know, they're taking their, their operator courses and their maintenance tech courses. And they may be listening to this thinking, I'm hearing environmental health, right? I'm hearing management. I'm hearing scientists, right? One thing that we have to remember is the service folks at the end of the day are one of the largest users of the Mac, right? Whether they know it or not, because, you know, they're the ones that are looking at minimum turnover, right? Your filter meteor rates when they have to change out a sand filter, right? When they're looking at the pump curves and total dynamic head to make sure everything is working like they're supposed to and looking at pH and chlorine and bromine and everything else, right? And, and you know, folks, uh, just from a service aspect, you know, there's a spot at the table for you. You know, yeah. We, we want you involved. We need you involved. Uh, the, the tagline for CMAC is driven by your expertise, right? And, and basically, that's a statement to the entire industry in all segments, not just the managers, designers, and, uh, and, and things and the builders, right? If you got a truck and you have a hammerhead or a riptide, and you've got a route, and you're a professional, you're a qualified operator, right? You've got everything you're doing, and you're you're holding industry standards, whether it's commercial or residential, right? You're an expert, and you're needed, right? We need you. The MAC needs you. The industry needs you to participate. So I would just recommend and encourage, you know, our, our service folks listening, hey, don't, you know, don't disregard this just because you're not designing, because you're not building or you're not managing a a, a two million gallon aquatic rev, you know, venue, right? Um, if if you're over a splash pad, if you're working on a spa, if you've got a single commercial pool in your route, we need to hear from you too, right? I so, think it's great for them to be able to hear this on the podcast because I know there's a lot of pool guys I've talked to. They're always like, well, I they won't listen to me or you know they I don't know where they come up with this stuff and it's like okay this is where you get to finally say what you you tell your fellow pool guy that you run into at the supplier like this is the place to get those questions of one how how did they come up with it but two okay you feel this way and you want to be heard here's how you can get it heard yeah no absolutely There, there have been a couple of committees that you know and and I just say things, right? So Christy's going to cover her ears and go, oh, God, what's he going to say? <laughs> but, you know, there's been a couple of committees where we haven't had any service participation on, right? 
And I've got a service background. I used to work on pools and, and fun stuff, right? I've changed more than my fair share of pumps and filters and cracked filters and blew stuff up and had to fix it and, <laughs> you know, got glue all over me and all that jazz, right? I've, I've done my fair share of that. But, you know, I'm having to represent the service side, right, and bring into these committees, you know, hey, don't forget about X, Y, and Z because yeah. they're not service folks. And I can guarantee you I would have given my left arm, right, to have had someone who's just been doing a pull route for 10 years on that committee. Just to where, you know, they're hearing it not from me, right, where mm -hmm. I can remain neutral, which is what I'm supposed to be, and, and not advocate for a position uh, where, where we could have used that, right? You know, when we do weekly maintenance, and this year, I think I've talked in the past where prior to 2023, we would do maintenance once a month, every other week or weekly. And this year we, we do only weekly. We cut out all the rest of the crap that is useless. We also told all of our maintenance customers that, look, this is the way we're going to treat your pool. Every week we come out there, we're going to be adding algicide. We're going to be adding peroxymonosulfate. We're going to be maintaining your levels at these specific levels, you know, chlorine between two and four, unless we have a high cyanuric acid level. We are following what this, uh, the MAC has done in terms of a 45 to 1 ratio with cyanuric acid to free chlorine. So if the cyanuric acid levels are high enough, we, we may push that limit a bit. But 2 to 4 is typically our range. Um, you know, alkalinity 60 to 150 commonly. Adjusted alkalinity, by the way. Um, Cyanuric acid varies depending on the type of sanitizer we're using, whether it's salt, whether it's calcium tablets, trichlor tablets. We've got a couple of pools that have liquid feed systems, so you know all of them are slight variances. But anyway, we, we, we told them going into it, this is what we're going to do. All of your product's going to come from us, and if you don't want to do it, that's fine. You, you can find someone else to take care of your pool and we will find someone else to take your slot because we've got plenty of people waiting and begging oh, I did, to take care of their stuff. So I did the same thing. And with the last price increase I did before I didn't have my route anymore, it, I did a major price increase. I did 25%, which most people are like, oh my God, you can't do that. But I explained to the customers what caused that big jump. One. I didn't want to do it again for as long as possible. Two, I was going to start adding the phosphate remover and the enzymes and the borates and all of this. Like, yeah, with my borates, you had to pay for the initial, but because you did the uh, the the initial, and now I'm raising my price, I would include X amount, which would be a reasonable amount for just topping off because of filter cleanings and stuff like that, not leaks. That's why I put caps on how much chemicals they can get within the price. But yeah, I, I explained there's going to be these other things so that they could see that there was more value in what I was doing. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to eat the cost on phosphate remover and enzymes and all of that. Like, right. Right. But that was also, but I explained the importance of those things. 
and what it would do to help us prevent them ever having a down period of their pool where they couldn't use it. Or they're concerned about turning green, especially during the transition from winter to spring. And they were fine with it. I think I had two people cancel and that was it. Yeah, we, we lost not nearly as many as I thought we would, but the transition from the every other week to weekly more than made up for that. And to that point, we added, let me think about this, we added four or five maintenance technicians this year, and we we still can't keep up. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where for us, and this is a difference too across the country in terms of what rates people are able to charge, but we basically charge $125 a week plus chemicals. Oh, wow. So when I hear people, I can't do that. When I hear people in Florida that are charging, you know, $69 or $79 a month and it includes chemicals, I know you're not doing shit right. And, you know, you might be able to fool some of the people. You might be able to fool most of the people, but you're not going to fool me. And also, not being well maintained. Flashback Todd Starner, IPPSA board president, is now in session. What is IPSA for those people who may not know? IPSA is a service association um, that basically most of my members uh, range anywhere from, oh, I don't know. The mid twenties to well over sixty years old. Um, by becoming a member of IPSA, we offer an insurance program as a as a member. Um, you have a what we call tech for tech sick route policy, where those guys that are the single polars um, kind of gives them a peace of mind that if they were to get hurt or break a leg or cancer or whatever the case may be. Um, the guys in their chapter would take care of, of their route while they mended their problems of whatever that may be. Um, we are more of a resource center now. We're, we're trying to con- convert IPSA into a resource center where I can take companies of one and two people to companies of 100 people and be able to come to IPSA and and get the answer or get the education or get the, the mentorship that you would need. So I would say Ipswich right now is kind of a jack of all trades for the for the professional. Um, we're trying to make you more professional. We would like to see this industry has given me a lot, um, and I would I I kind of cringe the day you see the guy with the flip flops and the tank top, and you know it's it's kind of um, you know air conditioning companies and and plumbers get paid on the job, but yet pool guys seem to have to bill everybody. So, you know, let's bring professionalism into this and and prove that we're worthy of the word professionalism. That's great. You know, so you said insurance. Relative to that, what does IPSA have to offer for uh, companies relative to insurance? Um, As a single polar, the the, uh, the Policy that, uh, as I should say, when I say single polar, I'm usually meaning a one or a two man operation. Um, it's it's a policy that carries a three million dollars. It's written through Aero Hub International. Um, it has workmanship. It, it it has a as a member, it has a um, fifty five thousand dollar life insurance policy that's tied to it, and it has a five thousand dollar accidental accidental medical policy that's tied to it, kind of like an Aflac type idea. 
Um, and more importantly, the thing that I'm about to use um, it has a disaster policy where if, uh, for example, Hurricane Ian rips through the state of Florida and guys lose their uh, way of making a living because their pools just aren't there anymore, it's, uh, the, the policy will cover you up to $10,000. Wow. So, so it works in the fire areas of California, the freeze zone when Texas had the big freezes um, last year. I think it was last two, year. Like the big two years freeze. ago, wasn't two, it? Two, yeah. That when they had the freezes, we're about to use it because just uh, as I sit 25 miles south of me, um, is, to was, is totally destroyed. So, so is that insurance, is that something that, is is a an available to members something yes. that is automatic with membership no, or it's available to you you do not need it to be a member of ipsa um okay. it, it it is a it's a it's a it's only available to members for the price point that it is um but if a member came in and decided that they liked their policy that they had then the more by all means keep the policy that they have um what we do for bigger companies uh that have multiple employees is at that point we turn you over to Ray. Um, you are a member of IPSA, and then Ray goes ahead and sits down with you and writes a policy specifically designed for your company as to what you want your deductibles to be and what you want to be covered. And then it gives a, a IPSA discount on top of that. So, so it's still very competitive and very, we hope, less than what you could get on the open market. Yeah. Wow. That's that's great. You know, the the aspect of um, finding what one knowing what is available in terms of insurance for for people that uh, aren't already down that road. You know, so many of us are so busy just uh, running the business, doing the job, you know, that kind of stuff to have an organization we can turn to who can say, hey, look, you know, we've we've kind of got. A, a foot in the door, if you will, and and this is a, a an easy way to to get you the insurance that you you really should have. I mean, honestly, all of us should be insured to cover us for as much as we're able, and hope that we never have to use it. But if we do, um, you know, that's the whole point of it. So that's uh, you know that's an angle that uh, other organizations in the industry don't really. Um, do a lot with and, and you know i'm i'm involved in in pHTA on many levels and uh certainly know a lot of people and and i'm you know very good friends with people from nespa and that and it's it's interesting to see how these different organizations have different things that they bring to the table for people who who are members and and want to help themselves to some better options like insurance that's that's cool. I like that. Kelly, did you uh, have you encountered a need or anyone that that you know of that's encountered a need for that kind of coverage in in what you've been doing through the years? Um, I get my I get my insurance through IPSA. Um, I haven't had okay. to use it, thank God, but I pay for insurance not to use it. Exactly. <laughs> that's because <laughs> you we know all hope if something for. bad's yeah. going to happen, it'll happen, you know, to you or me. Um, but I have, when it came to the tech for tech, I have used that twice. Um, okay. when I was pregnant with my youngest son, I used it for maternity leave. I had to stop working about three weeks before he was born. 
Um, so they took care of my route and everything for me. They div- what they did was they divided up the pools I had um, and then um, went from there. If I didn't have it, I definitely wouldn't have my business. The one pool that I, one of my plaster companies, you know, I did the startup and then it was a house they flipped and no one was living there and they wanted one month of service. Like normally I don't do that, but because it's you guys, I'll do it for you. But I was charging for full service in my area, which is expensive, $240. Again, my chemicals are limited. Does not include calcium, does not con- include uh, conditioner or boric acid. Um, it includes up to two gallons of chlorine a week. But that is based off of my opinion, not their opinion. Like I'm not going to pour two gallons a week because you want your full amount. It would include three tabs a week in the summer, but none in the winter, none in the fall. Um, five pounds of of sodium bicarb, and that was it. Acid, up to a gallon. Which I thought that was kind of generous, because really, how often do you put a whole gallon a week? Um, I, did, I okay. did it that way. Wait, hold on a minute. How, say that again. How often do you put a whole gallon a week? Of, of acid. acid. <laughs> yeah. So... My pool on a weekly pool, not a new pool, but the no, weekly pool. A weekly pool. My pool this spring, up until just finally this past week, was going through two gallons of acid every week. Really? To maintain now, you, my and I keep my pH at seven point six. Now, is that with a like a chemical feeder or with you actually dosing it? With a an IntelliChem and a salt okay. system. So none of my pools had chemical feeders. So this is me having to dose it when I'm there. And at the time, I did not feel comfortable on a weekly service putting, you know, two gallons in at one time. No, no. We we honestly, when, if we're treating pools that don't have chemical feeders, the most I want our people putting in is half a gallon and 20 See? gallons of water. And that's, and that's about where I was, too, on a weekly pool. Yeah. Right. Yes. If it was a chemical, if I had a pool with chemical feeders... I, their price is going to be higher because I'm going to have to make up for the amount that they're going to be using. Um, you, in my opinion, you do use more when it comes to acid. You use more acid in a chemical feeder because it's doing little increments whenever it's needed, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's actually true. I think more so that you're you're seeing a pH level and you're reacting to it, but you're truly never getting it because you don't go back the next day to see the results of your. your no, you don't. So you're never really getting it down where you want it to be. No. So every week you're throwing a half a gallon or maybe cheating and putting a little bit more in or something, but you're, you're never really getting it to where it's truly at a balanced state. And I agree with that. my, my chemical tank for the acid is a four gallon tank and I dilute the acid one to one with water within that tank. So I put in two gallons of water and then I put in two gallons of acid and okay. it, it does dose, like you said, incrementally throughout the day. My system runs 24 seven and it's just dosing as it goes. But up until just last week, it literally was every Sunday I'd go out and have to fill it. You know, it was basically empty, and I just fill it all the way back up. Four gallons of solution, but it's two gallons of acid in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now it is a 32,000 gallon pool with 1100 square feet of surface area. <laughs> so he is a massive a, Mickey Mouse. It's a big ass pool. And that of course contributes to that as well, because there's a lot more contamination because I've got more surface area than many commercial pools, I would argue. Um, and that's where all the contamination comes in. So the salt system is working over time to combat what's going on. Um, but with that, I am adding, I, I actually use a product, which is what all of our technicians use. Cause it's the brand is the name of the product is multi-purpose shock. And it actually contains dichlor along with peroxymonosulfate. Okay. And each dose will introduce two parts of free chlorine and 10,000 gallons of water in addition to the monoprosulfate dose. Okay. So we're, we're putting that in every week. I put that in my pool every week. So I'm, I'm adding free chlorine as well as peroxymonosulfate, which is reducing the wear and tear on the salt system, giving me the benefit of the monoprosulfate in terms of preventative maintenance. Um, but even so, I, I've been going through a ton of acid. Now, this past Sunday was the first Sunday my tank was only half empty. So I only need one gallon of acid, one gallon of water when I topped it off this week. But, and my guess is from here on out, you know, as the summer just kind of sails along, it'll be the same. I'll go through about a gallon of acid a week. Do you find that you go through that. more acid in the off months than you do in the during the season? No, mostly it's the spring um, there's a lot more contamination in the pool uh, with the rains that we get in April and May. Then once we get into this time of year, the rains have pretty much stopped. And the weather's just, you know, there's some wind and that brings a certain level of contamination, but not the extent of what rain does. The rain is so, messes me up. I guess another topic we can kind of cover that goes along with this is weekly or biweekly for and what I mean by biweekly is every other week. What is your opinion on that? For me personally, I did my very first year I'd offer, you know, twice a month because customers would ask for it. But after that first year, I was like, fuck that. That's not working for me. Uh, because I found that I was it was more expensive for me to go twice a month than it was for me to go every week chemically. And I found that I had more issues that I would, I would come to doing it not every week. Smoke, fire, drought, rain. With that said, tune in next Tuesday for the second part of this episode with K-E-L-L-I and Dan the Batman Lens. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 